0: your Bibles this morning to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers chapter 20, but while our Agape choir is getting back to their places, let's say a prayer for their ministry this week. Father, we thank you for our sister church in Belton, and I know that you have divine appointments for these students. They're children, they're care for, and there's projects they will do, and people they will meet, well, they will be your representative. They will be the hands, and the feet, and the voice, and the presence of Christ. Father, protect them as they travel. Give them your grace and your peace and allow them to meet new friends within their own group and to meet new friends here in Amarillo. In the name of Jesus, we pray your blessings on our sister church and this choir. Amen. I used to, I used to, three words you may hear yourself saying more and more Can you go a whole week without saying, I used to? I used to run marathons, he might say. I used to be chairman of, he might reply. I used to cook dinner every night, you might hear her say. Used to. Meaning in the prime of my life, I accomplished great things, but now Now i just like to remember what I used to do and talk about it a lot. I used to. I was writing this sermon this week, knowing the title, and I walked over to the weight room and, well, one of my son-in-laws and some of my family was in the weight room and someone said, someone was on the bench press, said, what did you use to bench press? I fell right into it. Well, I'll tell you what I used to do and I was writing the sermon. <laughs> the reality is, nobody really cares what we used to do, do they? Yesterday, I was at a club basketball, and one of the boys, he was probably a probably middle schooler, maybe a, a ninth grader. He was jumping and trying to touch the rim and show his daddy, who was quite a stout man. And sure enough, he jumped high enough to touch the rim. He looked at his daddy, and his daddy said, I used to do that in the second grade. (laughs) His dad was much larger than I, so I waited till his daddy walked off, and I said to the boy, you tell your daddy, used to doesn't count. (laughs) I used to. Moses must have muttered in in Numbers chapter 20, I used to obey the commands of God, but now now I'm taking matters into my own hands. had he been reluctant to start with? Didn't he tell God he wasn't an able leader, not an eloquent spokesman? Who? Me? Me, go to Pharaoh. Me, travel down to Egypt and say to the Pharaoh, You must set free all of your Semitic slaves. Lord, I'm not your man. Moses, however, despite his initial reluctance, had been faithful to the task. However inadequate and unworthy he might have felt, he was faithful to do what God called him to do. He went before Pharaoh, you remember the story. The plagues come one after another, Pharaoh's army pressing at his back. What a task it was, organizing and feeding and leading this nomadic mob of people called ancient Israel. And then they come to the Sea of Reeds, and the army is behind them, and the sea is in front of them, and they have followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but the forces of Ramses are pressing against their back, and they have nowhere to go. They start complaining, seeing they're trapped by the water. Moses were there not enough graves in Egypt, so you had to bring us out here to die? Why didn't we just stay back there? You promised us so much. Did We didn't ask for this. You came to us, and now you don't even know where we're going. You led us down to the sea. Moses in that miraculous moment says, stand by and see the salvation of God. Moses calmed the crowd. with God's power, the Sea stood like walls on end, made a path of dry land for the ancient Israelites to cross. And Moses sang a song, and the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were piled up, the flowing waters stood like a heap, the deep waters were congealed, in the heart of the sea he sang. Moses sang the song of deliverance. But about a week goes by, they crank up again. We're hungry, Moses. at least we had something to eat back in Egypt. We're thirsty, Moses. We have no food or water. Once again, God provides the water and the food. The bread rains down even from heaven. Moses' father-in-law saw it coming. There's no way, Moses, that one man can hear all the complaints of all these people. You're going to have to organize yourself with various administrators underneath you, Moses. I'm just your father-in-law, but I'm just saying this is never going to work. Finally, they arrive at Mount Sinai. They'd reached a mountain where they were called there to serve God and hear the word, the Ten Commandments of God. Moses was to ascend the mount while the people below washed their clothes and purified themselves getting ready to receive Moses. And he came back literally from visiting with God. While Moses was on the mountain, even his brother Aaron led the people to forsake God and worship a golden calf. And Moses came down the mountain and saw the people worshiping the calf. He was so disappointed. The people had broken the first two commandments on the tablets You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make an idol for yourself. Moses just cast the tablets down in frustration. As the people traveled from the mountain to the promised land, they complained all the more. In fact, in in Numbers chapter 12, even Aaron and Miriam get into the complaining, questioning Moses' priority as a leader. And finally, they reach the land of Kadesh, and they have absolutely no faith that God will allow them and lead them to capture the land. God says for four decades, for 40 years, you will wander around in the wilderness until the unbelieving generation dies. You have not believed. You will not inherit the land, I promise. And that's where we find ourselves today in Numbers chapter 20. We're at the end. We're about 38 years into that aimless wandering in the wilderness. And now we've come back to Kadesh. Now we're in the desert of Zen. Moses had led these people from the pit of failure, the pit of slavery. Yes, he had led them to the pinnacle of God's almighty delivering power. 38 years, Moses had been their leader. For 38 years, he, with the power of God, had provided their food and provided the water. Everything came from the hand of God at the command, the word of Moses. Now, when we read about these tribes, we think about a very organized military image where they're all organized, and every morning they wake up and goose-step out in rows. It wasn't like that. They were all scattered about, and tribes argued with tribes, and and Moses had to manage all these complicated relationships. They were like warring siblings to each other. Now they've come back to Kadesh. They've come back to the monument, the landmark of failure. It reminded them of the time they'd been there before. They had heard about those who had been there before and how they did not have faith. They did not believe that God had the power to allow them to possess the land. Remember that story back in Numbers 13. The scouts... 38 years before had gone over to spy on the promised land and they had said, oh this land eats up its own inhabitants they are giants living in that land we look like grasshoppers we felt like grasshoppers let's act like grasshoppers we have no faith we can't do it and now here's old Moses if you've done the math he's, a, he's 119 years old 119 years old. They come back to Kadesh, and there is a a monument of a bad memory of when the spies, the great majority, have been faithless instead of faithful. Some of you here this morning have those places in your life you look around this city or another city, another place, and you see places of your own failure. Maybe it's financial failure or moral failure or social failure or a family failure, and you come back and you know that feeling of this has a bad feeling here. In Kadesh, as I returned, there was that sense of failure in the air, I suppose, from what had happened before. Maybe you've come back to a place and say, under God, I'm going to do it differently this time. I'm going to overcome a bad memory. There, Moses was standing at the very point where his people had been faithless before. You've been there. You go to that place where there are bad memories there, maybe it's a place of work, maybe it's a person instead of a place, maybe it's an ex-spouse, and you see them and you go silent. It's a moment of failure, a place of failure for you and that person, a monument to a bad past. Now notice how our text begins today. Miriam dies in verse 1. Here, Moses' older sister, 130 years of age, she had been with him through all of that. Now, you think way back. This is a 10-year-old girl who put him in the papyrus basket and filled it with tar and set him in the Nile that he would drift down to Pharaoh's daughter, the one he'd always turn to, Miriam. Now at the monument and the place of failure, Miriam has died on Moses, and he is all alone. Moses had to overcome the emotional loss of losing that person. Some of you here this morning, you have those kinds of feelings sometimes, those emotions when someone you've trusted and depended on, someone with whom your life was so intertwined, now she is ripped away from you in death. All of a sudden, he's gone. Moses also had the criticism of the people. The King James Version puts it this way, they chode with Moses. Once again, the people began griping and complaining because they don't have any water. And yet their lives were linked to the very faithfulness of Moses to be obedient to the command of God to provide the water from the rock. They'd experienced the 10 plagues. They had seen the water stand up like walls and walked on dry land in the middle of the sea. They had had manna rain down from heaven and water from a rock before, and yet they still complained. Moses had to overcome this adversity of criticism. You know, their memory was short. Their memory was kind of like my memory. I remember all of my suffering and all of my hard times, but often we tend to forget we have amnesia when it comes to remembering all the blessings. The very hand of God. Had they forgotten about the quail that God sent? Had they forgotten about the manna that rained down from heaven? Had they forgotten about the provision of God? Had they not seen the power as the river had turned to blood? God had done everything for them, but all they remembered were their difficulties. Now I want you to notice the difference between the leaders and the led in this story. The led were criticizing the leaders, but note note Moses and Aaron, notice what they do. Look at verse 6. Then Moses and Aaron came in the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Rather than joining in the carping and complaining, they go until the tabernacle and they fall on their faces before God. And they experience his glory. Retaliation only causes criticism to escalate. Rather than retaliate, they went to the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And they experienced the Shekinah, the glory of God that Moses had seen before. But then, all is well. But all of a sudden, the story takes a bad turn as now even faithful Moses himself is unfaithful to the command of God. Notice verse 8. Take the rod and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes. That it may yield its water You shall thus bring forth water from them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod. God said, verse 12, Because you have not believed me, to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Oh, outwardly to the people, Moses is a blazing success. He never looked better. He was authoritative. He was commanding. He took the rod and he struck the rock. And by the grace of God, the water became bursting out and both man and beast began to drink. Outwardly, Moses looked like a a blazing success. But inwardly, I think both Moses and God... Knew the difference. Outwardly, here comes the water again. Inwardly, Moses had done it his own way, with his own will, trying to exercise his own power. Because you did not trust me enough to honor me, God, as holy in the sight of my people, You're not gonna get to bring this community to the promised land. What was the attitude that caused Moses to fail? The problem was clear, he did not trust in the plan of God. For 38 years, he'd been leading the people and trusting God and doing what God told him to do. And so you could see how easy the temptation would be. Now, somehow, Moses has apparently confused the authority and power of God with his own authority and power. Can you imagine the risk of standing there as Moses and just talking to the rock in front of the people who are ready to have your head already? No, last time he struck the rock, he thought he'd better strike it again. He had his own way, his own will. He wasn't going to listen to God's way and God's will. It was too vulnerable to put himself out there and just speak to the rock and let the water gush. And so he began to strike the rock, going his own way. Notice his attitude. His attitude left, led to an acclamation. Hear now, you rebels. He began to diminish the people that he was leading. God had said, speak to the rock. Instead, he spoke to the people, which God never told him to belittle the people. And then he, he struck the rock. Notice what he says. Did you catch it? Must we? Here's the egotism. Must we, must Aaron and I, must we get the water out of the rock? Must we? Moses put himself in the place of God. Moses, who had been so faithful. At the end of the journey, the end of the race to the promised land falls right at the finish line because he began to do things his way and not God's way. Must Aaron and I provide you water again? Strike, strike. When God had said only, to command. Congregation, we are only as good as we are good today. What we used to do doesn't matter. Moses used to be the one who spoke to God face to face. Used to. Is it Arnold Palmer who used to say, the most important stroke is the next one. The most important stroke in the game of golf is the next one. Many of us will gather and talk of past obedience, of things that we did for the Lord yesterday. Our faithfulness, our belief, our stepping out in faith. But now the thing in life is comfortable. We kind of like Moses now to do it our way based upon our own power. I used to. The question for you in your faith journey is not about yesterday. The question for you in your journey of faith is, are you there right now, today, being obedient and humble, realizing that every good gift, every good gift comes from God? Do you know the name John Glenn? Many of you do. He was a senior citizen who sailed back into space. He'd been an astronaut before and then had a life in politics, and he decided to go up in the space shuttle, and he he traveled three Six million mi- miles through outer space. I can't even say that. 3.6 million miles through outer space. And I complain when I got to drive to Dallas. 3.6 million miles in outer space. He's 77 years old when he gets on the space shuttle. It's Grandpa Glenn on the space shuttle, 77 years of age. And you know what the headlines were the next morning? He's not just history anymore. Space Sailing Senior. Only as good as his last trip into outer space. I like that story, but there's one I like better. Some of you are old enough to remember the name George Foreman. Does of you cook hamburgers on this grill and don't know who he was. <laughs> He'd been the heavyweight champion of the world long before, and then he got big and fat and 45 years old, which that might sound young to you, but if you're in the boxing ring with a 22-year-old, it's not all that young. He was 45 years of age, 250 pounds, clearly out of shape and overweight, he was a fat fighter. He was a punching papa, I like to say. He was a three to, Vegas had him as a three to one underdog for the big fight in MGM Gardens in Las Vegas. By the judges' scorecards, he had lost seven of nine rounds. All Michael Moore, the present heavyweight champion of the world had to do, was just walk around for a few more bouts and he would be still heavyweight champion of the world. But at 2.03 into the 10th round, Papa had a punch that met the face of Michael Moore and he went down like a big tree in the forest. And George Foreman said, "Now I will no longer be introduced as the former heavyweight champion of the world. I am now the heavyweight champion of the world. Foreman didn't want to be a former anything. I used to. It doesn't matter what you used to do. The good, the bad, God forgives. The question is, Are you faithful today and dependent and humble before the Shekinah glory of God? There's an article in Baptist Standard a few years ago a few years ago about a a lady by the name of Blanche Bowling. Blanche Bowling arrived at the nursing home in her community every Monday morning and she gathered around the lobby with the senior adults who were there in the nursing home and ministered to them. She would come back on Wednesday and she would roll all their wheelchairs down to the sun porch where they would have Bible study. So Blanche Bowling was going on Mondays and Wednesdays, rolling all the senior adults in their place for her Bible study. But what you don't know is Blanche Bowling was 100 years old. She didn't used to do anything. She was doing. And Blanche said, I don't give up. People stop way too soon. But I have never done that. What's true for Moses is true for you. It's true for me. Try to go a whole week without saying, I used to, but rather change the sentence to, I now do. Let us pray. Oh God, whatever our stage of life, you call us to be faithful. Whatever we can or cannot do physically, our spirits to be humble and faithful and prayerful before the Lord. Father, this is not just a sermon for those who are senior adults. There's a, a lot of young people who talk about what they used to do. May we this very morning remind ourselves that the next step on the faith journey is the only step that matters. Not five ahead or five below, but what are we doing today, this moment, in our obedience to you? In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.